This is Grant Harrison from the Water Boys here with Tyler Newsom. Tyler, what about the water? Now that's some high quality H2O right there. One maybe a bit more controversy. 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 <laughs> 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 We're back. This is G brand. You got a lot of teeth. How many teeth you got in there? That's quite a set of teeth you have. It's cliche, but it is a dream come true, you know. But the main point is, we're back, we're ready to attack, and it's, sports are back on PEI. It's mayhem. Waterboys family, welcome, season four, episode one. We're clocking in, you're tuning in. Justin, Grant, the final season debut with these two still on the couch. Taylor, the show will have you next year. Juddy. Let's go out on a bang, hey buddy? Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. A little, little victory lap here. For anyone that doesn't know, me and Grant are in our final semester at UPEI, and he's finishing up Holland as well, and then we plan on moving to, what uh, Grant been moving to Chicago. Um, he's undecided, but hopefully Halifax. Um, anyway, looking forward to today's guest, Tyler Newson, who we filmed before this. You know, we're yeah. just doing it backwards for some odd reason in our fourth season. You'd think we know by he, now. He was a great interview. He was a great interview. You, Ottawa, Gigi, commit. <laughs> <laughs> believe it's Gigi's, but we'll no. stick with Gigi. I know I'm saying it, same with Gigi. Shout Gigi. out to the Migos there. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we wanted to stick with the format we brought to you before Christmas break for yes. Waterboys Faithful. Uh, we're before we get started... Another announcement, we're going bi-weekly. Not meaning twice a oh, week, yeah. but the other bi-weekly definition, meaning every other week. So we'll see you this Wednesday after Super, Car- Super Wild Card Weekend, and then we'll see you the Wednesday after. So that'll be NFC AFC Championship yes, Weekend. Yes, It'll sir. be the, thir- the first. It'll be the yeah. February 1st. Yeah. So also this season, you'll see a very special episode we're doing. Well, series we're doing, three-part series on racism and sport on PEI that I'm very excited to do. It's one of my projects at UPEI, so hopefully informative, a different pace here. But um, for now, let's get into some Justin and Pals. Yeah, so essentially we're going to go with the same format where I'm asking the questions, Grant and Taylor are going to debate it for a couple minutes, and you know, if you... If you want to leave a comment in the sections, please do. It will be greatly appreciated. We'll answer with some insight. You know, hopefully you guys have better insight than us, maybe. Anyways, first topic of debate. This guy. <laughs> Sorry. We are the water boys. We oh, the no. epitome of sports talk here. Okay. Exactly. My bad. Highest ethical standards. Yes. First off, the Raptors. They're 19 and 24 right now. Mm-hmm. They're below 500. They're not the worst team. They're 100% not the best team. They need to blow it up. Would you guys agree? And if so, who do they need to trade? Uh, I'm going with yes. Uh, I think the only two people that are untouchable in the Raptors organization right now are... uh, I'll extend to three people that are untouchable. Nick Nurse, the coach. I don't fire him. I I think he's a great coach. I don't think... What many teams do is need shakeups. But every team goes through a rebuild. You don't get where you are without doing things to get yourself to championship level. And then afterwards, you have to pay the price of getting to that championship level. Nick Nurse, great coach. Masai Ujiri stays as well. I think Scotty Barnes is untouchable. I think Pascal Siakam is untouchable. Mm-hmm. I think if your name's Onanobi, your name's Van Vliet, your name's Gary Turn Jr., you are shocked. Shocked heavily. So, th- yeah. you're putting Van Vliet on the chopping block. I'm so, I think Van Vliet... Has just outgrown his time as a Raptor. I don't think his prime time will fit the Raptors' next championship. My only, my only question, sorry, I just want to know. It's a debate, and you're jumping in before. I just want to know if you're saying that they need a complete rebuild or like a partial rebuild. No, I'm I'm saying, I'm saying complete. Okay. I like I said, I think there's only those three untouchables because the assets you'll bring in in America right now with Van Vliet, if you shop him, you're you're easily getting two first rounds, if not more. Okay. Yes, you get a lot of assets if you trade them away, but extend the untouchables to about seven names. Okay, I've got my list here. Siakam, Trent, Anthony, the OG, of course. 
and Van Vliet. Even Scotty Barnes you keep. You just oh, need yeah, a point guard. Scotty. Yes, you just need a point guard. That's it. Get Trey Young. Get Trey Young. I know we said before the break that his draft, sorry, not draft, his trade is untouchable in Atlanta, and the coach should be the one to go. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> since our winter break, I've seen a flip. I think you get Trey Young now, you trade a fair bit away, you trade some small forwards, maybe some point guards, and you get a great player to tie up a great team. So You're only a half game behind from the play-in round right now. Yes, which I think you could win against people like Chicago and other like that. And you're only five and a half games behind the top six, which would save you from the play-in round, so, which is a great finish. So my, my question to that is, why... If if you're gonna trade for Trey Young, what are you gonna give up? Because it's a superstar player, so you're gonna give up majority of your team just doing that. Yeah, you're a buyer at that point. I don't think the Raptors are a buyer. You, like you gotta look. Yes, they are only a half game back of a play-in spot, but why do you want that play-in spot so badly Real- if you're not gonna if you're not gonna compete in the playoffs? Realistically, uh, do you think you're winning? No, you make it to the playoffs, great. No. Yeah, we made the playoffs. You're not going anywhere, so why why are you trying to get there? So what are you trying to tank? Not tank, I but like s- build well, those up are your two assets. Options. Those are your two options: either compete or tank. At this, I'm point. not saying tank married, but I'm saying you're selling. You're not competing for a playoff spot this year. This is your tipping point, right? This now. is just me. Uh, I don't know if you guys realize how good this 2023 draft prospect is. And win by Yeah, or, yeah. But not only him, but uh, Scoot Henderson. Second overall pick. If you get a top two pick and you're the Raptors, I think... There's a great top ten in this draft. Yeah. You're not getting a top two, though, because no team you're going to trade with is going to give you a, no, a pick of that. No, but I'm saying if you blow it up mm-hmm. and you trade everyone away and you tank and you get a top two pick, then you're like just soaking in the glory, and it's the best thing ever. Because realistically, like both of you guys said, they're not going to win. Even if they win a play-in game, you're not going to win. No. They're not good enough to win. I think you blow it up, me personally. Um, I do like the idea that Grant had there with trading for Trey Young, but I don't think it would ever work just right no. now. You can't. They don't have the players have to, to do this. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I think they have And there's two. no way Atlanta wants to do that. They want to move John Collins, that's about it. And <clears throat> when we talk about trade stock in the NBA, the Raptors have the most valuable pieces to give up. Yeah. Now, you as you informed me, Bradley Beal just waived his no trade clause and Zach Levine. So they still have the most valuable players because they have the yeah. most players to give yeah. up. The most and, uh, control time, and it, it's been said by multiple people, like multiple scouts, multiple analysts, yeah. that the Raptors are the team to set the market this year at the deadline. Yeah, and they're the first domino to fall. Yeah, everyone's gonna watch what they do. So I think it's gonna be very interesting um, when time comes. I didn't realize the deadline's like a month away already, but we'll be interesting to see what they do. It, let me ask this and we'll move on. You send Van Vliet away. Who do you get for him? Picks and prospects. If Just I'm a, I'm a, so I'm a Toronto Raptors fan. Oh, yeah, no. You're not going for this year. If I'm you're a selling Toronto Van Raptors fan. Trade him away. I don't want Fred VanVleet anymore. I, I think okay. there's a glimmer of hope this year. There's I think they should go no it. disrespect to VanVleet at all. I love him. I just don't want to see him wasted for us when we can get capital and assets in no, the future and see him get a chance to compete for another championship in his prime window. Here's the thing also. Do you really want to pay him all the money that you're going to have to pay him? No. You have to take up a large part of the salary. So, moving on to the other part of the NBA, which is you know the most interesting part probably right now. Six through thirteen in the West is separated by two games only. The Lakers are currently thirteenth right now, but they're only two games back of six, which is Golden State. Lakers and then are one through five players. is separated by only six games. So at the end of the season, my question is: Do the Lakers make a play-in, or do they make an actual playoff spot? There's only four competitors in the West right now that I would be scared of. From the East. Denver, Memphis, Dallas, and Golden State. Those are the four I'd be scared of. That wasn't even the question. I'm, okay, listen. Here's my answer. You say the West is tight. Okay. I'm saying we got a month left till the trade, where teams start to look different. We got three months until playoffs. I'm saying that's the focus. 
And when you look at the focus, there's four teams that I think can cause some damage. So you said who? Dallas, Golden State? Dallas, Memphis, Denver, and Golden State. Denver at the top of that list. And you don't think New Orleans is dangerous? Mm. No, no luck. No, no luck. They've got three great players. And we saw what happened with the Lakers last year, where they had three good players, and their stamina dropped off the deep end come April. I think the Lakers are a hot dumpster fire. I don't think it's the same scenario exactly as L.A. I think in L.A. you got too many star players competing to be the center of attention. The chemistry's not there. The one move they make after another, no matter who they bring in or what they've been doing so far, it's just been one more hot garbage pile out onto the next. I do agree with your contenders, though. I think John Morant is going to be just, he's just insane. I think Memphis is going to finally, they see his greatness and they're going to give him what he needs around him to succeed past what he's already gotten to. So you don't think that Zion Williamson is good in the playoffs? Oh, I think they make the playoffs. I just don't think they're going to be... top three seed right now. McCollum, Ingram, and Zion, all great players. They're three great players, like I said. But, like you said, Taylor... Their chemistry, not working out. I'm saying their stamina, not going to hold up. Zion's already back on his foot issues. I get that, but they're a lot younger. I think Golden State's the sleeper. Mm -hmm. Denver and Memphis are the biggest competitors. Denver needs a shake-up. Every year they're like, we're top seed. Every year they're like, we're out in the second round. (laughs) They're basically the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know uh, we had a really long break this time. Uh, Well, we enjoyed our Christmas break. But over that Christmas break, there was a special tournament that happens every year. Right after Santa Claus comes right around and delivers all the presents. And one thing out of that tournament, it's always a given. Canada spanking the USA. Oh, that's a shot. Six to two. That's a shot and a half. But anyway. That wasn't the biggest thing from the tournament this year. The biggest thing was the kid that might just be the next god in the NHL, Mr. Connor Bedard. Uh, so if we have McJesus, what's Bedard gonna be? Uh, he's he he's Betty right now, isn't he? Betty. I, I don't know. That is a terrible. Bedster. Name. I don't know. I don't know what his nickname is. I forget. But anyway, the con man. <laughs> this man broke. Basically, every single Canadian record at the World Juniors. Yep. Almost every junior record. Yeah, the only record I don't think he has is the points in a game. Forsberg. Yeah. Is he the record holder for... I don't... There's some Japanese player that got 10 points, or some player that got 10 points against Japan. That was a long, long time ago. Um, But anyway, back to Conor Bedard. Probably the greatest prospect since McDavid. Oh, easily. Uh, the only competition would be Matthews, but I don't think Matthews is, was even this big. Um, so, my question is, it's not even about how he's going to do in the NHL. We can't predict that. But, is Bedard as big in hype as what McDavid was during his draft year? I'd say bigger. I think bigger? Just because they haven't seen a prospect like this in, what, five years now? I think Bedard. I think Bedard is setting all these new records. He's proving how crazy he is. What he's got, I can't even remember the stat I saw for him, but he had like sixty points in like twenty games or something like that in the dub. Uh, he's got in his last seventeen games. I think he's got sixty-seven points. Yeah, like are you are you kidding me? Like there's no like the Regina Pats. If they added a few mild pieces around them, Memorial Cup contenders easily. WHL contenders easily. I'll say this. I hate to agree with you just because of how much I love McDavid as a player. <laughs> I mean, look at his stats. We'll get to him later in this episode. But I agree with you. I Look at when we started hearing the name Connor Bedard. Yes, a small pocket heard about McDavid in his first year of juniors. But Bedard, from the get-go, this guy was on the front page of everything. You know this kid's name. Yeah. You know his name. You know what he does. Mm-hmm. He's bringing a name to the Pats. So my only remark to both of those is when McDavid was in his draft year, he would sell out stadiums no matter where they went. But Derek doesn't do that. 
Do you think that has anything to do with the strength of competition? He's going to start now. Yeah. He's going to start selling stuff out now. He's a Canadian hero now. Look at this kid. I I personally think that he's a great talent. I don't know how great he's going to be, but... There's no doubt that people are going to see, like, the Regina Pats play wherever they go to see this kid play. I, I think the difference of that is, look how easy it is to watch junior hockey now. Like... Side note, just, I mean, watching Connor McDavid play, you had to either go to the game or live in the city where he was playing at mm-hmm. on local access TV. Mm-hmm. Now, Bernard's games are on TSN, so I'm on Sportsnet, you know. All this coverage he's yeah. getting, and especially the push to the WHL final and the Mem Cup, he's going to be on every TV channel there is. Yeah. Like, it seems like Regina's not the strongest no, in the dub, but, but uh, they're, they're definitely a shot or shooting chance because they have Bedard. Can we also talk just a quick second talking about the dub? The Olin Selwager deal, did you see that? Yeah, it's yeah. stupid. It, like, four first rounders? No, it's five first rounders, 14 picks for two players. Two players. Holy. It's crazy. Holy. Five, like. I get that you're trying to win this year, but why Why are you giving a team five first-round picks? Well, they're not only trying to win this year, but they're right. hosting the Met Cup. So they're pulling the Sea Dogs as of last year. but hopefully They don't even here. need to. They can just suck at the Met Cup. But okay. I get what you're trying to do because they have Stan yeah. Colvin. Yeah. But moving on to the special player that he is, McDavid. Uh, he... Now is well. I don't know if you recorded a point last night. Probably did record a point last night, but Friday night uh, he got to eighty-two points in forty-four games, which meant if he didn't record a point for the rest of the season, he'd still be a point per game player. He's got eighty-three points. He's got eighty-three points. So he got a point last night. Yep. So McDavid's just on another level. Do you think this year? From oh, yeah. previous years, or do you think he's still doing the same? I think he just keeps elevating his game. No matter what year it is, he's like, I'm going to go out there and do some McJesus stuff right now. And uh, you think I'm good? You think the NHL's seen scoring? I'm going to show you real scoring. <laughs> yeah, because he's not even known as a scorer, but this year it's it's becoming like he's... he's yeah, he's just... What, you see that mac, magic backhand the other game? Yeah, and he's in the oh. scoring race lead. Like, it's kind of crazy to think about that right now. It's... Hard to go against Bedard and against McDavid, so this is why I'm agreeing with you on the last two. But mm-hmm. I'll add this. The video that surfaced from McDavid at practice in the skating drill against, I don't know who it was, but just beat him by, you know, probably quarter of the ice and finished skating backwards mm-hmm. against a guy going full sprint forwards, mm-hmm. and he's still beating him. Anyway, I'll say this. It takes a very great player to make the teammates around him better. It takes Connor McDavid to embarrass the H-E double hockey stick out of his own teammates and belittle them. That is the best player in the NHL right now. I think he's doing that to be like, hey, you see what they're giving me to deal with here in Edmonton? Give me some players that will compete. It's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of that. Yes, he wants a cop. I got a buddy named Leon Dreisaitl and that's it. Did anyone see his socks? Yeah, I was going to ask if you were going to talk about that. Yeah, he... uh, he kind of has a pair of socks, if anyone hasn't seen it, maybe yeah. we'll get the picture in here, uh, that he's had since basically draft night. Yeah. Hey, CCM, yeah. you're telling me you won't make new socks like these yeah. for Connor McDavid? Like, yeah. What are you doing with your company? Uh, the other thing I want to bring up about McDavid is this is just hypothetical, honest to God, probably nothing to do with anything. But do you think... He might feel a little bit of pressure from what Bedard's doing in juniors. No, not at all. Yes. So he has to kind of up his yes, game. Yes, he's feeling a little pressure. What do you like, mean? He's like, an what NHL I mean, superstar. What I, mean he's kid. That, what I mean by that is, do you think he's seeing all these types? Oh, I think he's seeing it and he's noticing it, but I don't think he. I don't think he's like, oh my god, shaking in my boots. I think he's like, well, that kid's gonna be good. I'm excited to play against him. I, I think it's full on respect. Yes. Yeah. But I think a little part of him is like, man, he might. In three, four years, he might be better than me. McDavid knows he's McJesus. You know. I don't think but he's do think He sees he, that in his rear view think, mirror. Do you think he sees Bedard right now? No, he no. sees Bedard in that rear view mirror. I, it's gonna be it's gonna be a him and it's basically gonna be Crosby and Ovechkin, him and Bedard. Do you think? Oh yeah, I can totally so, see that. So do you think Bedard needs to get up and go quick though, because McDavid's getting up 
gonna be up there in years when Bernard starts hitting the peak in the show. So do you think he realizes like, all right, I gotta find new gear. I gotta step it up. I think he's excited for the competition. I think he's excited at the possibility that there's gonna be someone entering the league that can compete the same level that McDavid competes at. Because you have a guy right now that you're getting, like you said, the most talked about since McDavid, since Matthews. You're seeing a kid do things that people haven't seen in years, and I mean years. And it's exciting for the game, and I think McDavid recognizes that. I don't think he feels any pressure at all. I think he's like, I'm McDavid. I think we all know the type of player he is. He's like Jonathan Taves, Captain Serious type stuff. That goes out there, plays godly level hockey, and then gets off the ice, and he's like, yep, it's just what I do. Yeah. So I think he's like, I think he's, he's, like you said, he's ready to respect Baird. He's excited to see the kid get into the NHL. But uh, by no means do I think he's at all scared to, for Baird to come into the NHL. That's just me playing devil's advocate. Like, just, I know it's, it's crazy to think about, but, like, maybe it might be in the back of his mind. Just playing devil's advocate, like, you never know. It could be. It could be a factor. I, I agree with you. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah. I think the next topic is, well, we already know what the next topic is. Boston's just running away from the competition this year. Mm. Yep. They got all four lines rolling. They got all six D, yeah. D rolling. They probably have the best tandem in the league between Swayman and Yulmark. Uh, personally, Swayman, I thought, was going to be better than what he is this year. Yeah. I think everyone did. But just in general, this team coming into training camp or into the year, you really didn't expect this. And no, not at all. Do you think they're the cup favorites right now? No, not at all. It's, uh, I'll wait and see what they do with the deadline, but I think there's a lot more complete teams out there that are just not riding the hot streak the Boston is riding. Before Grant interrupts, because I can see that he's pretty flustered over there. Yeah. Uh, what teams are you talking about? Uh, teams I'm looking for at the deadline right now, I'm looking for the, we say it every year, the media says it every year, I'm looking for Toronto to add. I think they have the forwards, the goaltending, defense, always the question. Maybe bottom six wingers, always the question for Toronto. Uh, I'm looking for the Leafs to add. I'm really looking for the uh, Avalanche to add a big name, too. I'm looking for... Florida's been really disappointing. I'm looking for the... As a Montreal fan, I just have to say, great! Yeah. I'm looking for New York teams to add a lot. I don't expect much from the Islanders. I'm looking for the Rangers to start picking up some few a few key pieces here. Uh, the Kings are really good, too, right now. Uh, and the, but yeah, uh, oh, and the Golden Knights are obviously always looking to do something Vegasy. I can't believe we don't think Boston's complete. Boston is in that conversation, and yes, I think they're going to add stuff to the deadline. When it comes to the playoffs, do I think they're Stanley Cup Finals uh, appearance or favorites? No. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Call me Toronto because I just choked <clears throat> around the, around April too. <laughs> Taylor, Toronto. Avalanche, Rangers, and Kings. I picked those teams out there. Kings are low level. They're just really hot right now. Yeah, let's get rid of the Kings because I think this is a lucky streak on their part. Okay. Deadline, of course, let's see. They might pull out a miracle, mm-hmm. but I don't know who they're trained to get that miracle and stay relevant. Simple as that. Yeah. Rangers, yes, they do have some great talent, but... you got a lot of great talent, a lot of prospects. They need another six months together before they're a great team. I, I don't think they naturally have that gel, right? Avalanche, they're in a hangover. And Toronto, like I said, they're just an unlucky team. Unlucky. I, I th- the only team that I have to agree with or disagree with Grant on is the Avalanche. I think the Avalanche are just hurt. Yeah, McKinnon's what still is. Avalanche do have the injury bug right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, same way New Jersey had at the beginning of the year. But Devils are also a team to be looking at. I will say Devils. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly. Not mm-hmm. in attendance, but no. on the ice. I forgot about Carolina, too. Go Hurricanes. Carolina, but here's the thing. I forgot about two teams. Though. Here's the thing. One second. Boston, nine points ahead of Carolina, I think. And then 11 points ahead of Toronto. Yeah. Nobody's even close to them. In the conference. So, yeah, I think it comes down to the tandem. Like you said, Juddy, there's really nothing else in hockey that compares to a just shut-down team. And we saw it in Winter Classic. We saw it all first half of the season. We'll see a ton of all-stars from Boston. And I think it's Boston's year. 
So the only other thing about the NHL that I want to ask is this year's NHL deadline for trades. Is it going to be, from what we've been hearing, it has the biggest names in so many years. Like, I mean, not just like a couple big names. It has 10 big names. Bo Horvat's on there. Eric Carlson's on there. Chitron's on there. Ryan O'Reilly's on there. Patrick Kane's on there. Jonathan Taze is on there. Tarasenko's on there. There are a lot of good players. Two guys that are coming off that list, I think. Patrick Kane. You don't battling. think all of them are coming off? No, Patrick Kane is battling that injury bug. I don't know. A, we don't even know if he wants out of Chicago 100% yet. And B, with that injury bug loom, and he's got knee problems, now he's got hip problems. Mm-hmm. What are teams going to want to give up for this kid? Mm-hmm. Uh, or for this kid, this man who's 33 years old now mm-hmm. with a big contract and injury prone all of a sudden with issues. Uh, and another name, I, I'm really struggling to see. Uh, Carlson coming off the off the block. What what? Unless the Sharks are willing to take less than what yes, they've been asking for. Uh, what the Sharks apparently are asking for, or reportedly are asking for, three first round picks and mm-hmm. retaining they'll retain eighteen percent of the contract, which is essentially bringing the contract down to nine million AAV mm-hmm. uh, annual average or annual average salary. Um, still a pretty penny. Yeah, no, three first round picks for Eric Carlson. No, thank you. I don't think any team is going to give up that. Kane's going off that list real easy. I think Arizona's going to be the new Chicago. I think Arizona's going to tank for Bedard, and they're going to get him. Just the way Arizona's storybook, they always find themselves in that position. Mm-hmm. And more recently, too, I think to get out of the mullet marina, they mm-hmm. want Kane teaching Bedard how to play NHL hockey. What? You think Patrick Kane is going to go to Arizona? Why would he go to Arizona? Well, let me just ask. I don't even think Arizona should get battered. I think Biz Nasty like, can shut that Kane off his booty. Why you would play he 40 go? games in the NHL, Biz, and you think you know what the hell you're talking about? Wow, this is a big rant. Go at him. Yeah, no. Biz, I'm sorry. Biz and Ryan Whitney, there's no way Connor Bedard needs to end up in Arizona. A horrible organization. Get the hell out of Arizona. Get some actual fan base that cares about this wow. team. Go to a city that loves hockey. You're in the desert. You play 40 games in the NHL. You think you know what you're talking about? But Derek goes to Arizona. His career is over before it starts. Wow. Look at Clayton Keller. Anyone wow. who's in Arizona that's worth a damn needs to get the hell out of there. They need wow. a new city. They need new fans. Arizona is an awful organization. You two have no idea what you're talking about with Bedard. Get out of Arizona and get a real hockey opinion. Wow. I think this episode's over. We'll see you next week. <laughs> what? This is like, what's going on here? What's going on? No, no, no. Sit back down. (laughs) Sit back down. This is crazy. This is absolutely insane. Yes. Arizona is at rock bottom. You know what they say about rock bottom? Only one way to There's go. There's nowhere to go but Why would you ever trade They're going to dig to China at for this point. a guy other than taking on China. Chicago's made some terrible decisions in the past, and I'm saying this is their last. There's no way. Anyway, he has to approve of the Arizona. You think he's approving the Arizona? Yeah, he's not approving. He's not approving. Hey, Patrick, do you want to go to Arizona? Do I want to go to a city who plays in a college arena with no future? No, thank you. Moving on. In light of the NCAA. Football National Championship game. We are giving Grant 72 seconds to talk about the Georgia Bulldogs because that was the total score added up. So go ahead. Absolutely insane. Let me just say that. You see that in high school when you put a massively crazy competitive Div 5 high school against, you know, some town of 370 people. (laughs) This is an insane score, not only from college football. From football in general, there was a 223 to nothing score, and I believe uh, Georgia was on the giving end of that. So they have a history of this. People should be scared. I know I've got limited time left, so I'll say this: I don't know who can stop them, besides age and Father Time sending all these great players to the NFL draft. Except for 25-year-olds. <laughs> that son of a bitch, Aga. I love that mascot. <laughs> How much time do I have left? Uh, you have three, two, Stetson Bennett. One. Go Horn Frogs!
Yeah, bears, I'm coming for you. Giants beat the Vikings. What? 31 to 24. This is a live reaction show. No. no. We're taping while we're watching the game. Oh anyway. my god. I hate sports betting, bro. Ugh. <laughs> Clip that. Two clips that we have to do to Did make it I No, I had Minnesota to win. That's two pro lads that went shit today because Jalen Waddell and his backup quarterback, whatever his name is, do you know his name? Yeah. What's his name? Skyler Thompson. Yes. Yeah, you, Skyler Thompson. Throw to Jalen Wallenmore. I needed three. I had over three and a half catches. You found him three times. You couldn't have put one more in there. And the Minnesota Vikings. Oh my God, Kirk Cousins. It's time to get rid of the Thuggins because my word, you lose to the Giants and you ruin my pro line. The only one I had left. Hey, I told you oh. that the Minnesota Vikings were not a great team. But anyway, that brings us to our stupid, last stupid, topic of discussion. Today on the show, the NFL. Obviously, we're not going to talk about the last couple weeks in my Patriots because that's absolute horse crap. But what we are going to talk about is Super Wildcard Week. And Trevor Lawrence is still undefeated on a Saturday, first of all. Second of all, the Buffalo uh, Bills almost blew the biggest... Like narrowly escaped a loss by a team that shouldn't even be. There. I want to say one of the biggest upsets in NFL history if it would have been completed. Um, Only by three, too. I mean, yeah. like you're upset about Giants beating the Vikings. And currently, in about an hour's time or thirty minutes time, the Ravens take on the spank. Bengals, and the Bengals are probably going to spank. When that, like, the only the thing up for debate is Bucks or Cowboys. Yeah, Cowboys. So, the cow bucks. The cow bucks. <laughs> wow, that's a good one. I think I'm taking Ken America's team. <laughs> the Cowboys. So, giving you picks for that, and then to wrap the show up, we're gonna give our Super Bowl picks. Our what pick? Give me the game, and I'll play the pick. The Dallas. Team okay, yeah. Uh, I'm going with the Buccaneers for two reasons. A, because Dallas always chokes in the playoffs. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't know when the hell to do it. Uh, Dak Prescott last year, 13 seconds left. Hey, I'll run a play and take a knee. Ooh, that's going to work. What's your uh, second reason? Uh, second reason, Tom Brady. That's a great second reason. Tom Brady. Uh, there's no way this guy, no matter how many struggles he faced this season, you there's no way the GOAT goes out first round. I'm sorry. 7-0 against Dallas. Yeah, I'm sorry. He's not leaving the playoffs first round. That's not happening. One reason the Cowboys are winning this thing. Number one, Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady, playoff, doesn't have much to throw to right now. Yes, he's got Mike Evans, a great receiver. Mm-hmm. But they haven't been putting up the numbers they have in the past. You want to speak and up and say that a little bit louder? Just just because I want people to understand what you're saying. I don't think Tom Brady's beating the Cowboys right now. Yeah, you're insane. Call me crazy. You're Call insane. me crazy. I'll Back, take that title. I'm taking Tom Brady over Dad Prescott I'm, for every day of the week. It yes. doesn't matter. I'm not saying Tom Brady is worse than Dak Prescott. I'm saying Dak has more talent in the run game and in the wide receiver. Playoffs are a different beast, though, man. And Brady facts. has proved time and time again. And he is saying, the beast. Brady is the beast. I'm not saying, I'm not saying Dak isn't choking. Dak's choking next round. Not this Dallas round. chokes so this round against the Bucks because... Your playoff... You know, super cool, super wild hair weekend. Uh, Taylor's is obviously destroyed today. Yeah. But who is your Super Bowl matchup and winner? Oh, also one more reason because the Bucks are in this. Uh, Rob Gronkowski is going to sign two minutes before the game starts to the Bucks, number 69. So <laughs> there goes your best receiver. Well, that's right an eligible receiver number. So anyway, <laughs> my case, my. Not my KC picks. My KC pick. So we yeah. obviously know Kansas yes. City's going to the Super Bowl. Kansas City's beating the Bengals. Revenge game. 4.0. Is it 3.0? Yeah, They're beating game, the Bengals in the Super Bowl. No. Okay. Hold okay. up. They're beating them in the okay. championship. Okay. okay. Give me a second. I, I was just This isn't season one, episode one anymore. <laughs> I know I'm my conferences, okay. divisions. Okay, I'm just making okay. sure. Anyway. 49ers losing to Philly. Philly, Kansas City Super Bowl. Got to go with the Chiefs. Got to go with Patty Mahomes. Interesting. If it's Bengals that go to the Super Bowl, they'll Philly all the way. Okay. Uh, I'm going Bills are coming out of the AFC. 
Uh, After narrowly escaping Miami? Bills are going to come to the AFC. Look division, at the division teams. rival. Just yeah. let's think about that. But first. here, look at the teams that narrowly escaped the Super Wild Card Weekend or Wild Card Weekend. Look at the teams that lose in division. Mm-hmm. I... Miami's good, other than their quarterback was. Like, Miami's still a good team. Miami they, probably would have won that game if they would have two. The two attack of Iowa. Uh, I, I don't know about that. Yes, I do. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm going Bills for the AFC. They're going to defeat the, let's say, Bengals in the AFC Finals. Um, I'm going to play the Bengals. Okay, the Chiefs in the AFC Finals. Yeah. Is that right? Okay, yes. there we go. Uh, Bills, you're going to get their revenge game against the Chiefs in another uh, championship in Atlanta for some reason. Um, I can see Josh Allen going with like 12 seconds on the clock instead of 13. Yeah, right. Uh, and then I'm going to go with, in the NFC, I'll go with Philadelphia. Fly Eagles Fly are going to make it to the championship game, and I think they're going to take on the 49ers. I'll give Mr. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Relevant the uh, benefit of the doubt there. Brock Purdy. Um, Philly over San Francisco, though. That's I think, I don't know, 49ers, I'll put them in the finals. Uh, yeah. All right, let's, let's hear the pack. Let's All right, uh, the pack. Super Bowl champions, Buffalo Bills, over the 49ers. Okay, so I'm not even going to give you guys AFC and NFC matchups. We're just going to go straight to the pick. Give me Mr. <laughs> Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP. What? Niners win, season's over. We got the newest gem in the NFL. Start of another great career. I'll give Call you this. it there. See you later, guys. We're done. Was yeah. he like one of your favorite players? Um, one of my like favorite players I actually like watched a lot of film on was Ray Lewis. So yeah. nice. that's where kind of the play style came from. Okay. Get the emotion. Gotta love that intro to the field as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, fans, we're back with Tyler Newsom, the man at the intro to this season and last season, while well, about halfway through last season. Yeah. Tyler, welcome to the Water Boys. First guest of season four. How are we feeling? Pretty good. Thank you yeah. for having me. How does it also feel to be like the intro video person? Pretty, feels pretty phenomenal, actually. <laughs> I love it a lot. It's pretty funny. A little bit of stardom there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little celebrity status around the island. People see it just like, we got all the water boys. <laughs> all right, Tyler, we're starting off hot here today. How, okay, so when you were younger, mm-hmm. when did football really become big in your life? Probably whenever I was 12, so like grade 7. Mm-hmm. So my older brother really got me into it. He's... Uh, two years older than me, so he started playing before me, and I saw him having a blast, and was like, "Put me in there." So, I does just, does he still play? Or? No, he doesn't. Okay, no. Yeah. So, started off playing what six man? Uh, I think we were actually playing ten on the island at that point. Ten? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and I started playing uh, at a Cornwall with yeah. the Timberwolves, and uh, that's where I continued on through through high school with a little bit of turns there close yeah. to the end but no I started there I started at uh, playing free safety because I was a skinny kid that was scared to hit <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what just didn't have the hands for a receiver or what no I was just I was just scared of everything first year playing football so yeah. I was just yeah did you start off flag or sorry did you yes. start off flag or yeah yeah so okay. I started off with flag so that was kind of like the easier transition yeah. Yeah. Um, I started playing that whenever I was 10 so, okay. See, so you've been hitting the gym a bit since those days, uh. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. So, where that first season, like, was it just like you know, just to be out there, basically, like. Yeah, you know? like, um, but close, close to the end of the season, I was like an actual like kind of key player of the defense. Just at the start of the season, I was just, I was, I think I was more or less scared of like hurting somebody, because <laughs> like just like taking like just runs at people and like mm-hmm. just learning how to properly tackle and not just like throw myself at them yeah but uh no uh, close to the end of the season I got a bit more like technically sound and started to actually like fall in love with the game a whole lot so. yeah well once you do make that technically sound step mm-hmm. you also need to make the I'm a human missile yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bulldoze this guy exactly. <laughs> it's not about hurting your opponent yeah. well, you know sometimes <laughs> but <laughs> You do want to get that physical edge on them. So when did that physical edge for you click? Honestly, like to be completely honest, it was um, probably whenever I went over to Moncton High, my grade 11 year, to uh, play over there. So 
I didn't have an opportunity to play due to uh, league rules. I had to sit every year, and mm-hmm. that was my grade 11 year. So, but I still got to practice, and I still during training camp. Um, that was my first time ever playing 12 man football. But like over there, it was like very serious um, and really kind of like more in depth. And a lot of the coaches like had a high expectation of their players. So like you almost had to come in like physically ready to like take a lot of stuff and like a lot of the drills we did uh, kind of like enforce that and like our big thing defensively is like aggression so imposing your will on like the other players stuff like that so but yeah no that was probably like grade 11 year even though I didn't get to play in the season and practice I was probably whenever it kind of like switched so you got like all the development but without any of the pressure in the actual game days yeah Yeah. pretty much pretty much yeah yeah and learning the 12 man game so I know there was a little bit of confusion there when you did go to Moncton High and try to play over there, but like you ended up not being allowed to play, mm-hmm. and then you came back to PEI for your twelfth yes. grade twelfth year, and then we had former high school players on Lucas Doucette and Zach Blood, actually our first ever episode, and you were one year out, but they said playing against you was just, they didn't know what to do because you were a monster out there. Yeah, no, those those guys are really good athletes. They're really good guys too. But, yeah, no, coming back, playing six-man uh, because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So I was originally, like, supposed to stay over there. Mm-hmm. But uh, my grade 11 year there, whenever COVID hit in March, I just came home. And then as soon as they said the island had football and over there didn't, I was just stuck on the island and played six-man. Yeah. So. What, what was the biggest thing... For you to adjust from going from grade 11 where you developed in 12 man back to coming to the island and having to play six man because of COVID? It was it was tough because like I didn't want to stop like kind of developing. I felt like I finally had like a set sort of like position that I could like critique and like really dive deeper into the game and stuff and mm-hmm. like coming home like obviously like yeah like it's it's nice like to be with family and stuff and like your friends playing but like over there, it was just so much like better football-oriented kind of schedule. Whereas coming back, it was like a step back. I still enjoyed it, like I still loved it, but like I didn't get almost the full exposure that I wanted to as my senior year. Do you feel like that hurt you coming out of high school? Oh, uh, definitely. It definitely hurt me. Uh, it hurt a lot of my exposure. Like um, with Moncton, they had a lot of uh, a lot of um, connections with the AUS and a lot of connections with OUA as well. But uh, no, leaving and not staying definitely. Mm-hmm. definitely well, hurt that's that. the problem is you're used to expanding not only your playbook but your game as well, mm-hmm. and especially with the men on the field. So when you narrow that field from 12 to 6, as a linebacker, it's got to be easier on you somewhat. Yeah, like originally uh, I was a DB actually in Moncton. You were still playing DB in Moncton? I was playing half, yeah. When I did, wasn't even playing linebacker. When did you start playing linebacker? Last year. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I, I was, uh, I was gonna be so in training camp. They didn't really know where to put me because I was like, I was like around 190, 200. So like they thought I could play, I could play like full, uh, a few different like positions. But like because I kind of have like a free safety background, they really liked me at DB because zones came kind of easier to me I could feel out receivers a bit more and like kind of find the open space so they liked me there and I got really really good at it and was on the depth chart and ready to go for week one whenever we said we couldn't play but no I was I was a halfback so <laughs> and then uh, coming home from my grade 12 year I played quarterback and yeah I remember it and linebacker <laughs> so I was playing both ways so it was really quarterback like, and linebacker but like six man linebacker year essentially. What kind of coach decides to put a quarterback in a linebacker position? PEI football. <laughs> your your athletes, how, right? Yeah. How far could you throw? Probably like fifty yards. But really? that's like that's muscling it though. Like I, accuracy is like, yeah, like Well yeah, like yeah, okay, accurate like no. throughout like thirty yards maybe? Accurate throw, yeah, thirty. Thirty? That's yeah. still a decent but, dart. Oh yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, no. But like for six man too, it was all man to man. So like defensively, if I was like say playing like lineba- a linebacker position, it was more or less your man up on like a slot or 
your eyes on your or your uh, shadow in the quarterback, um, or your man up on like a tight end mm-hmm. type of thing. With six man, if you miss your tackle, it's yes. essentially like a thirty yard gain at the minimum. Yeah, yeah. So how hard is it like with that? I know it's easier in terms of open space and like for offensive players, but for a defensive player, is it harder? One hundred percent, because like. Like you said, you miss a tackle, it's it's either a huge gain or it's, uh, most cases, if you're dealing with, like, a really fast athlete, it's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Easy. So, like, that's whenever, I really enjoyed six-man in that aspect because it was, like, technically sound. So, like, you had to, you know, like, break down. You couldn't just, like, throw yourself at somebody because, yeah. like, you got to take him down, right? You can't just, yeah. you can't just throw your body weight at him, bounce off, and then he's mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. So, you have to really uh, wrap up. And keep your feet moving. After high school, uh, like you said, you didn't really get the exposure that you wanted. So you ended up just staying at home and going to Holland College. Is that correct? Yep. And in your first year, how would you describe it? Um, it was uh, it was pretty crazy to be honest. There's a lot of ups and downs. Um, defensively, like we're a really young team. Like, we had that senior presence in the DB Corps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like I said, like, my first year really actually playing 12-man football and playing linebacker at the same time. So I played more of a – played more of, like, a Sam role. So I was, like, a, like a box safety. So I still kept my yeah. DB skills. And uh, with the change in D.C., like, I think with one game left in the regular season, a lot of things changed. We were <laughs> – we were man up most of the season, and we're taking our, taking our licks. But and then close to the end of the year, we switched to a little bit more zone, and we found our we found our groove through that. But it was it was a good experience. Like it was it was really crazy. Like a lot of ups and downs. Yeah, I mean, switching from man to zone is completely yeah a different game of football. Yeah, just <laughs> on every aspect, it is a different game entirely. So. With one game left in the year, A, why? B, how'd it go? <laughs> um, it actually went really well because looking at our defense, we were a zone team from day one. We should have never have, like really been doing man as much. Like we still did zone. Like don't yeah. get me wrong, we weren't man up all game because you just can't well, do that. Yes, exactly. Like, it's just physically not possible. But um, no, so, like, we just essentially, it actually worked pretty well because, like I said, the senior sort of DBs kind of led the led the way for that. But uh, our interior and our sort of, like, linebacker core was definitely really young and, like, raw at that. So. Well, you need a lot of communication when you're going to primarily zone. So, I mean, how did the team gel? Um, the, team, the team actually gelled, like, fairly decent towards the end of the year. Like, every single game we seemed to, like, get a bit better to what we wanted to do. We didn't actually, I feel like we didn't reach like our full uh, potential, per se, that year, just from having so many new guys, but um, no, like, other than that, it was... That was the year, like, last year, I remember, you guys had to really reach out to the community and try and get players to come out in the first place, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, so we opened it up to the community, and we actually opened up to the community again this year, too, due to uh, lack of players, Mm -hmm. and uh, unfortunately, like, a lack of... Uh, recruiting there last year kind of was that and yeah. then in camp only having like uh, 30 guys, 35 guys was pretty rough really? that's, that's going to hurt you so. talking about lows from last year um, was one of the hardest football moments of your career so far was the UMB game first game like uh, and not the, fir- the like playoff the, game the playoff game yeah. um, probably that was probably a tough one. I actually like. I personally, I think that was like the best sort of game that I've ever really like played. Wise, like mm-hmm. I played like playing with confidence and like trusting in my abilities and kind of like taking control a bit more. But that was like that was a really good game and it was it was heartbreaking to see uh, see the outcome like like how it happened. But like realistically, we caught our stride at the perfect moment. So like. Taking uh, the good, yeah, taking the good out of it, we uh, we did pretty well. We did our best. So there's the low point. Yeah, let's get to the high point. Out of the whole football career, you had to pick one moment, maybe two. What are they? Oh, honestly, probably committing to U Ottawa. 
to be completely honest. But like that was like the biggest thing, like uh, outside. I guess outside, but not really football. But like the biggest thing in football uh, is probably. I I hate to say it, but like the Dow semifinal game this year. This year was probably like. One of like the greater, I guess, feelings I had going in, going into that game. Obviously, it didn't go our way, but um, I feel like just gelling with the guys in that game was like probably like the best moment. And like pretty much saying to my other linebackers, like we gotta like get a stop here, or else we're gonna lose. And then going out and doing it was just huge because we had we had so many turnovers that game, and it was we 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 balled out. So yeah. so. Let's go back to you, Ottawa, here. Yeah. Because right. you signed with Chris Drew. Yes. And Tyler Hobb, right? Tyler Hobbs uh, signed Acadia. Acadia. He's yeah. going to Acadia. Yeah. Pardon me. But still, you're going to you, Ottawa. The yeah. GGs. <laughs> Justin. Yeah. He calls them the Geekies. No, I, I, I was making fun of the Migos song. Like, oh. like they're not making fun of the Migos song, but like they say Geekies instead. So yes, it's like twelfth grade early yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sure. GGs. <laughs> what was the recruitment like process going out there? It was honestly like really smooth. Like uh, probably like out of the few schools that were like I was considering, they were like the most like interested. Interested. Yeah, one hundred percent. They would like they would always talk to me. They'd always like text me and stuff. Like different coaches too. Like wasn't just a recruiting coordinator all the time, but uh, they made sure like stay in touch. And we were actually talking about going for a visit before the summer. So like yeah. before the season even started, I had like a an official visit already sort of lined up. So we just talked throughout the summer and uh, talked throughout the summer. Kept talking throughout the year and. Uh, they didn't even see this year's like highlight tape, and whenever we went on the visit, they they offered us being Christian. So, really, without seeing our this, this year's tape, yeah. So, um, what other schools was interested in you? So a few of the AUS schools. So <laughs> Santa Fe, after first year, was uh, offered us. Uh, who, who me and Christian, yeah, okay, that's uh, spot on the team. So like, no, no money involved, just like a roster spot. And me and Christian were actually like seriously considering on leaving Holland after the one year, but me and him had our eyes set on something a bit, a bit higher. Not saying that that level isn't high at all, but we felt like we could definitely have a breakout year, and we wanted to ball it with the guys. So yeah. you would be with your former teammate there at Saint FX, Stephen Sears, right? Yeah. 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 He he signed there. Yeah. I can't think of many Holland players that are at Ottawa. Yeah. No. It's definitely a step up going to OUA. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, and I that's mean, and that's exactly what me and Christian were warning the highest level possible. Yeah. Do you feel? Was there any Western schools in the mix? Or? Not really. A lot of them were just like filled my recruitment form, and I I filled out a lot of the schools mm-hmm. recruitment forms like five times, <laughs> and not a whole not a whole lot of like interest back or anything like that. But well, you Ottawa. I mean, they just lost in the semifinal, national semifinal, mm-hmm. to division well conference rival Western, right? Mm-hmm. So. Have you been talking with coaches, you know, what's going to be the difference next year compared to last year? How can you beat Western? Essentially, we haven't really been talking about that too, too much, to be to be honest. They're more or less... Uh, Trying deep. to get you there first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be well, you're already there now. <laughs> and uh, they have a lot of... Uh, they have two linebackers leading. Their two linebackers are studs. Uh, James Peters, CFL, NFL prospect. Uh He's a huge sort of guy that they're trying to not replace, but just mm-hmm. uh, fill that hole. Fill, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they're starting Mac. Uh, he's leaving as well. Probably looking at like CFL maybe, like if that's an opportunity for him. So they're just in the recruiting process and trying to find guys. And so do you feel like you can possibly like usually if you're going from like let's say Holland College League to OUA. Mm-hmm. You're basically gonna usually redshirt a year, essentially. Yeah. Do you feel like this is a perfect opportunity to maybe get a starting role on a team like this? Um, one hundred percent. Like I feel like I could come in and make an impact right away. That was obviously one of like 
my uh, main decisions to make was I wanted to go someplace where I could do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether it's on special teams or getting in a rotation at the linebacker position, I feel like I could definitely come and make an impact. And that's why to come in and make an impact, we wanted to, me and Christian would like to get out there as soon as we can in the summer and start working with the team and really getting like an inside scoop of the playbook, learning like how to adjust to uh, a much higher level and continue uh, continue thriving from there. You said a much higher level. What do you think the biggest difference, I know it's hard to say, just sitting here on a chair in the middle of January. Well, I'm sure you've watched tape too on what you're going into there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It would definitely be the speed. There's just the, the speed of the, the game? The speed of the game would definitely be it. Like They have a... Uh, so much talent in the OUA, it's it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And uh, physicality wise, like I don't, you don't see a problem. I don't, I don't really see a problem. I don't with, see a problem either, with, but. <laughs> uh, with that as well. It just be uh, definitely the speed of the game and how to use your physicality while playing fast pace mm -hmm. and getting in position and more or less uh, uh, technique wise. How to catch up the strategy to the speed. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, with that. Let's hear a prediction. Do you think you're going CFL? Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I want to. I want to. Where would it you like, want to, but do you yeah. think you are? I think I am, yeah. yeah. Where? I said Ottawa. At Ottawa, I think I, I have a decent chance. And with Ottawa. three years to play there? I have four years eligibility. Oh, technically. Four years yeah. still. So, I mean, you got four years to build a resume up there. Yeah, and the amount of connections they have, that was another key... Uh, key point in the recruiting process. They're like the center of the, yeah, it's yeah. the center of the universe for Canada. Their mm -hmm. uh, linebacker coach, Brad Miller, coached the CFL. NFL, CFL, yeah. uh, play, played the uh, CFL, NFL. Um, no, uh, he's a linebacker coach and special teams coordinator, so, and he has so many connections. I had coach uh, coaching the CFL for a number of years. Uh, their DB's coach. Uh, all their coaches have a lot of uh, pro-level experience, and they, that's how they treat their program. They treat it like a pro-level team. Yeah. So, like, that's what you expect, right? Whenever you go in there, that expectation is that you're a pro, and you have to act like you know, be treated as yeah. such. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, exactly. So, uh, your, I guess, you Ottawa days are ahead of you. Mm -hmm. But if you do make it to the or CFL or NFL, whichever one, which is the team that you would prefer? I know. Green I was Bay. gonna ask that question. <laughs> that or like, if you had to pick a team, if right I had now, to pick, <laughs> like just um, going to the Prairies yeah, or sticking in like with the Argos. What do you like? Probably Toronto. Yeah. In Toronto. Yeah. What? Why? Is there a certain reason or just... He's a big Blue Jays fan, obviously. He wants to be at the home. Yeah, yeah obviously. <laughs> well, hard to afford a Toronto apartment on CFL. <laughs> you don't know about that. We'll see. They could get a bump here. Yeah. Anyway, I want to go to your powerlifting, just in general. Uh, first thing I want to address is why the Nick, or the, I guess, Instagram name, TSN Lift. Those are my initials, TSN. That, oh, we got that follow the other day. I was like, oh my god, someone from TSN follows us. Yeah, so, <laughs> so those are my initials, TSN. So, it's, like, I, I was looking at that a little bit, like, in the past and now, and, like, just, like, thinking, why is it TSN lift? Like, is he trying to get on TSN? Like, yeah. Yeah. on TSN or <laughs> yeah. something? Yeah, no, those just are my initials. Just a happy coincidence. Yeah. 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 So, when did this become, like, a passion on the side for you? Um, it was probably, well, it was, it was in high school, my grade 12 year and, uh, sort of over COVID as well. Mm -hmm. Sort of like nothing, well, nothing to do, stay inside, work out and, uh, really fell in love with working out mm -hmm. and, um, especially going to my grade 12 year, not having the exposure I wanted. I wanted to show like I can physically like handle myself in the weight room and, and, uh, I'm always putting in work. Sort of thing, sort of mm -hmm. thing. Yep. So I followed every single coach, <laughs> like in Canada, pretty well, on that Instagram page, and that was it. And I would tag coaches in my list <laughs> to see if they would actually, like, you know what I mean, look yeah, at yeah, them. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. at this point, I was filling every crew and forms. You gotta do what right. you gotta do, right? And no, uh, sending out mass emails at one in the morning, so that would be the first <laughs> one that they'd see in the morning when they wake up, yeah, yeah. type thing. So, and that was like, that was honestly, yeah, 
that's kind of what inspired me was trying to get the exposure and really falling in love with it during COVID. You were recruiting yourself. <laughs> trying to. Trying. Well, that's what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. So you just broke the ceiling on the 1,000-pound club. When did you hit the 1,000-pound mark? Um, well, it was, it was in high school, so... Uh, you hit the 1,000-pound mark one year into powerlifting? Yeah. No, I was six months. You were six months in. I just started powerlifting fall of my senior uh, grade 12. Jeez. So. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we had like we had like the mock meet. I didn't actually compete in uh, powerlifting. Did, uh, did you get a video uh, of it? It's on my it's on my Instagram. Did I, got, I had the, so did any coach. Like when you tagged him in that one, was there any <laughs> response to that one? <laughs> it's like 500 pound deadlift for real. Like yeah, one coach commented, nice lift. <laughs> Did you get any response to any tagging on the coach? No. Just no, besides nice really. lift? Just, no. That's not really too honest. Well, I'm still trying though. <laughs> How long did you like... Like now it's more so, I think, you don't really tag coaches anymore. You just kind of post, right? Yeah. And yeah. so how long did you like go for like trying to tag coaches for? Probably all the, probably like up until you got to Holland or Yeah, probably up until I got to Holland and then like taking a little bit break and then that off season last year I continued like tagging a few coaches mm -hmm. and trying to get like a little bit more interest and stuff, but just see you there sitting at 1 a.m. Why won't you answer me? <laughs> yeah, well, that was, that was like the main sort of like reason I got in contact with you, Ottawa, was I sent out a mass email to all the schools in the OUA at 1, 2 in the morning. And they, they were one of the schools that got back to me the next day and was like, we really like your tape. And uh, that's sort of how the process started. Well, that's really. a... Crazy. That's a crazy so, story. Well, you're only doing one of two things at one or two a.m. when you're sending emails. You're either serious about what you're doing, or you're stoned just having fun. <laughs> like, that's well, pretty serious. <laughs> Tyler Newsome, powerlifter, internet personality, <laughs> linebacker, and now you want to commit. We wish you the best of luck. But before we let you go, this is the Thunderdome after all, and therefore we got the lightning round. Five quick questions. Start easy, get a little harder, a little controversy. Anyway, would you rather blitz for a sack or stay in coverage for an interception? Blitz for a sack. Yeah. I don't want to make the quarterback cry. <laughs> <laughs> want to be on him like flies on a bumper, right? Yeah. What if yeah. it's like, is it blitz for a sack or stay in coverage for an interception and run back for a TD? Oh, the TD. I've got to go for points. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah, but annoying the quarterback, you know. Oh, yeah. Got to get in space instead of picking well, one. Well, okay, actually, yeah. here's a better one. Blitz for a sack against Tom Brady. Oh, my gosh. I read or those just, questions, Shuddy. I read or just questions. Like a it's a lightning round. Yeah. It's a lightning round. You know what? Well, what about? It was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> anyway, going to powerlifting now, would you rather squat or deadlift on leg day? Probably. Ooh, that's a good question. Probably squat. Yeah. Don't yeah. want to hurt your back. No. See, oh, no matter how many belts I try, how many times I brace my core, I can deadlift 10 times, and then my back's thrown out for about, I don't know, 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> how much is the PR on the squat? On the squat? So uh, I, haven't really, I haven't really tested it too much. I don't like, I don't like testing PRs at all. Uh, I, don't, I just, for some reason, don't like it. I like building a strong base and yeah. continue working from there. But if I were to, like... Guesstimate probably around the two uh, four fifty probably. In it for the gains, okay. not for the records. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Jalen Hurts still got like two hundred pounds on you anyway. Got <laughs> 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 goddamn quarterback. <laughs> Born in PEI, going to U Ottawa, small town living or big city life. Uh, man, I gotta go with the big city life. <laughs> yeah. I, haven't, I haven't experienced it, so I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see so what's out there. We're still PEI humble, though. Right? Oh, no, exactly. Gotta be always home. This is always home. Exactly. Water to the soil, boys. Water to the soil. All right. Black and gray tattoos or color tattoos? Black and gray. Really? Yeah. 
You can do so much more with color tattoos. Well, so. Any color tattoos? Color does fade, I find, a bit more. And, like, I'm not as as uh, good as I should be on, like, protecting them and stuff. So. <laughs> True, you turf burn, yeah. 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 Anyway, our final question here. Waterboy movie with Adam Sandler or this here Waterboy? This here Waterboys, come on now. Oh, that's <laughs> what Hometown we love to hear. <laughs> that's what we love to hear. Oh, you're making me blush. You're making me blush. But if Adam Sandler wants to come on, what <laughs> I mean, if Adam Sandler won you into the movie, I'm sure you'd pick that one. It's hard to say no to Adam Sandler. Yeah. Waterboy 2. <laughs> Uncut Gems, the football version. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That'd be a good one. Yeah, right. Anyway, Taylor? You want to tell the folks where to find us? Uh, sure can. Uh, so <laughs> half, half the time I forget our Instagram handles, boys. I'm not gonna lie. All right, uh, Facebook Waterboys, right? And then we got uh, on Instagram, it's uh, Waterboys underscore Media or the official Waterboys podcast. Twitter at Waterboys Pod. Uh, YouTube, where you're watching us right now. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Uh, yeah, we're good there. Right, Grant, send the folks home with season. For episode one. <laughs> Nailed it. First try.